This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. This is the official radio home of the Chicago Cubs. Listen to every game here on Sports Radio 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. Hamp hits a drive into right center field. That goes Kane. That ball is going to be off the wall. Live from the Hyundai Studios. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. We are WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. In Odyssey Station. The score! The one-two. Adamas swings and misses. Strike three. Two away, and that's the first strikeout by Marcus Stroman. Been very impressive to watch the Cubs starters out of the gate this season. Big swing and a miss at another off-speed delivery from Marcus Stroman. Wong strikes out. Stroman today for the Cubs. Five innings, one run, just two hits. Struck out three, walk three. Unfortunately, the Cubs lose to the Brewers five to four. Zach Zaidman on the call right here on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. I'm Mark Grody. Welcome back into Score Overnight three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is the number. The bullpen did not have Marcus Stroman's back today. Jesse Chavez, a rough ride, looked great. No shades, man. But he did not have a good performance today. Cubs had a, a 3-1 lead in the sixth, allowed a Christian Yelich RBI double, did Chavez, making a 3-2 Cubs. Then in the sixth, the big blast, a two-run homer by big, heavy, happy Rowdy Telez to make it 4-3 Brewers. Daniel Norris, number 49, in the seventh inning, tied 4-4, he allowed the solo homer to Mike Brasso. So that made it 5-4 Milwaukee, and then they got some tough dudes. Josh Hader ended up getting the save at the end of that bullpen. They have – that is the Brewers, man. Terrific starting pitching, although not in this series, and a really good end of their bullpen. That is their formula. They don't hit it a lot. They hit it more today than they have recently, and they were painfully inept at hitting last year, you know, get the Willie Adams has been a, a, a big boost to that team, but Christian Yelich had just struggled so much in the last couple of years. Although the Yelly, as I just said, did have an RBI double in this game. Don't let that guy get hot again. But the Brewers beat the Cubs today five to four here on the score. The Cubs, just like the Sox, like we we're talking about, the Cubs have the day off today. They will be at Pittsburgh tomorrow. Drew Smiley against Jose Quintana. 
for the Cubs and the crew. The White Sox beat the Tigers 10-1 to the final score. The Bulls beat Minnesota 124-120. to They will play the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of the playoffs. Game one, Sunday in Milwaukee, exact time to be announced. But it will be the Cubs and the Bucks in a best-of-seven series, all of which you can hear right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, the Blackhawks lost to Dallas 6-4. to Scotty Scheffler wins the Masters. Tiger Woods ended a plus 13 for the tournament. Come on in, 312-644. 67 67 we have room for you just like we have room for bob in lagrange hello bob you're on the score good morning good morning bob how are you the last time we spoke i uh-huh. told you patrick williams can play and you all were saying he need to get aggressive i said donovan not aggressive oh but he had 35 points you know why <laughs> he had 21 shots but he won't get that with levine has the ball well, he also had forty. We also had forty-one minutes too, Bob. That makes that makes a difference. I mean, how are you going to get forty-one minutes for him when you have Levine, DeRozan, Vooch, and Kobe White and Caruso playing? Right? No, you you missed my point. He okay. had thirty-five points. He had thirty-five points. Mm-hmm. He, he needed to get aggressive. He just did. Yeah, he can he do did. that on, on. He can do that on nightly basis. How dare Donovan sit there and talk about he need to get more aggressive? If you just said. Levine has to have the ball. DeRozan has to have the ball. Kobe White throwing everything he gets up there, hitting nothing. <laughs> That's true. Kobe You're White, right about that. Then, You're right about that. And Kobe, Kobe White says, the way to fix it is keep shooting. No, you don't keep shooting. You sit down. You're not shooting good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're right. Sit no. down. Sit your Patrick ass down. Williams, Patrick Williams, the youngest guy on the court. Now let's get this. Let's get this. Let's get this straight. He did it against. NBA team. He did it against the NBA team. Don't worry about who's in the lineup, who's out. They're NBA ready. That's how that goes. When Embiid gets 40 points, he got it with anybody, whoever's on the field. He's trying to get his scoring title or whatever. He's doing it with somebody out the game or whatever. Sitting down, waiting, minutes, resting, all that crap. So that's give Patrick Williams his credit. Now, he again, he's 20 years old, just made it in August. But he's not the guy that's going to go out there shooting up everything. You just said he won't get 40 minutes. Well, then you don't want 35 points. Because Levine and DeRozan are not giving them that. They're not guarding anybody. What I'm saying is Patrick Williams can defend. De- uh, Levine cannot defend. Cannot. Yeah. Yeah. Will not. Yeah. Right. right. No, so you're Fred, right. You're right. That's not it. Zach Levine, there's still a lot of holes in his defensive game. There's no doubt about that. Right. Now, let's go back to 41 minutes. Okay, he won't get that. All right, fine. But you want 35 points? A legitimate 35? That's how he get it. Let him play. But now if the 20-year-old take the shot, oh, Levine should have had the ball. Oh, DeRozan should have had that shot. Oh, Vukovic should not get it. That's what they'll say. So the young man is not trying to insult or make anybody upset. That's why he's laying back, being unaggressive. Because you guys are take take have a fit on him if he starts shooting the ball in a tight situation. Levine was open. Oh, the Rosen should have had the ball. Oh, Kobe White was in the corner. That's what he knows. He yeah, knows but, that. But Bob, you you still think that? And I I, I agree with a lot of the stuff yep. you're saying. I mean, I can't yep. argue with you. Patrick yep. Williams was excellent tonight. But hold on, hold on. Do you think that that Patrick Williams should be getting the shots that Zach Levine, Demar Derozan are getting? Jack, Zach Levine is getting, yes. You know why? Because Zach Levine take any step back, jump, all kind of shots. 
But he makes a lot of them. He makes a lot of them. Well, well, Patrick Williams just made a lot of them, too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's one time, though. That's what this is a career yeah, high. This is a career well, high. Now wait, wait a minute. Before that, you were saying he need to be more aggressive. Now you get thirty-five. Oh, that's just a one time. I'm, I'm saying, I, I, I'm saying within the framework of the game that when Patrick Williams is playing, let's just say Bob, he's out there with Zach Levine, Demar Derozan, Vucevic, whomever. He, when when there's an open shot. I want to see Patrick Williams not be afraid to take that shot. I want to see Patrick Williams drive to the basket. I'm not saying he's going to do it 21 times a game like he did in last night's game, but I do want to see him be more aggressive within the framework, and he has been. And obviously, this is an incredibly unique situation, Bob, that that you had none of those guys play. Levine, DeRozan, Vooch, Caruso, Kobe White all sat out. So he had to, to fling the ball up. He had no choice but to be aggressive. His back was up against the wall. Okay, okay. Let me say this. If I, if, can I say this, please? You can say whatever. you got an open forum right here, Bob. You're all good, man. I'm not hanging up on you. Don't worry. Okay, he's not afraid to take the shot. <laughs> he took the shot. He's I know he did. Scared. That was good okay, to see. But, he, but if he get more options, he's going to do that. See, cause I hope he, so. And, he's, and guess what? At least the third best option on the team. Uh, at least the third best option on offense on the team. I said that. Now, I don't know who will be displaced, all them guys you call. Maybe Kobe White and Vukovic. Oh, he's better than Vukovic? Yeah, I said he's better than Vukovic, yes. <laughs> now, 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 I appreciate you listening. You're not going to hang up I on me. I hear you. I hear you. I'm not hanging up on you. Now, Ryan Poe, wait a minute. They're already two times better than they was last year. Nobody mentioned Dozier, the, the big tackle out of uh, – the Vikings from the Vikings play with the Jets. Dakota Dozier. We're mentioning yeah, him right now. He, Dakota Dozier. I love that you want to talk about the co- – hey, we should talk about Kari Blassen game, the big fullback, too, while we're at it. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And we got the quarterback coach from where? Green Bay. That's right. Luke Getze. St. Brown can catch the ball. Pringle can run and catch. You didn't say he dropped everything. They want to uh, – he wasn't in Kansas City. He wasn't the best. No, he can. He is the best because he wasn't going to catch the ball in front of Tariq Hill and the other guys. Now he can go get the ball from Phil. Here's the other thing that people don't know. I already know Fields is the best quarterback the Bears ever had in the history of the world, period. Mm-hmm. Un- undoubtedly. Now, who who needs to be proven? He He's throwing the ball all over the field by even getting hit, getting sacked, playing hurt. He's still throwing the ball over the field. Oh, would you give him a little time? It's going to be over. He's going to put it in the end zone. He's going, he's, hey, he's going I hope you're over. right, man. Hey, we have, you got to admit, though, Bob, He might, you're right. He might be. I mean, pound for pound, maybe he is the best athlete and the most talented they've had. But you got to admit, it was a pretty rough year last year for Justin Fields for, for whatever reason, right? I mean, you, you agree with that, yeah? Yeah, the reason is they had no blocking. They had terrible plays, and um, Nagy was calling the plays. And the, the receivers couldn't catch the ball other than Mooney, period. I'm not even giving Robinson credit. He, yeah, it was a rough year for Robinson. Slowed up on his routes, didn't run his routes. I'm just calling spade a spade. He was looking for the money. Now this guy Pringle is approving. I like him. Now, you, is Pringle pretty fast? He has good speed, right? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, Mo- okay, Mooney's, so- Mooney's, uh, Mooney's super fast, too. I mean, that's those are – the speed was not a problem last year. The Bulls – or the Bulls. Okay. The Bears had a ton of fast guys. All the – Marquise Goodwin was an Olympics uh, sprinter. My guy Demir right. Bird wasn't far off from his 40 time. Right, Obviously, right. I mean, the slowest guy on their team was Allen Robinson. He was probably their most talented receiver, although he had a bad year. Now, the guy Robinson is the best tight end, period, on the team. I'll say it again. Robinson, the guy they just got. Griffin, I'm sorry, Griffin, I'm sorry, Griffin. Right, right, they just Griffin. recently signed him, yeah, yep. But he's a big receiver and he's fast. You don't have to worry about the kid out of Notre Dame, the rookie or whatever and all that, he's a rookie. No, this <laughs> boy is ten right. times better. Okay. okay, all right. Hey, so take now, your word for so it. Now he, and now he, he also has the, the, the safety. You get a safety, got a safety in there, now I'm a second. Yeah, so wait, uh, hold yeah, on. You don't like – I want to get this straight away. You do not like Cole Komet when you said – because that's what I assume no, you were referring to, the kid from Notre Dame, right? That's who you're talking about? Sorry. So, sorry. He He's trying to come along. He's all, He's trying to get that. No, you're there, you're not. This kid, Griffin, can flat out play. Let's stop talking about Cole Komet. Griffin can go get the ball, run routes. He's going to put it in his own. Phil's going to put the ball on him, Mooney, and Pringle. All the other stuff about who's not open – now, you ask him how he got beat up. He got beat up because he had no blocking. Poles said himself. It was it was it was crim- criminal what happened to him. They got him almost killed. He didn't get himself killed. They come in and had guy Garrett, Miles Garrett just came right around the tackle and <laughs> hit the tried yeah. to hurt hurt the kid. But hey, hey, he got son, up. Sunday Sunday, September nineteenth, the day that will live in Bears infamy. When, or actually, I'm sorry, September 12th. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. September 26th at Cleveland. Sorry, I got overnight right. brain right now. Yes, that was a, that was an awful experience. And I, hey, you're, you'll love what I'm going to say here, Bob, about that day. Okay. I do. I do wonder how that informed Justin Fields for the rest of the year. That the game at Cleveland, where there's an awful game plan put together, they allowed the quarterback to get crushed, and Bill Lazor and Matt Nagy didn't adjust, and maybe to a lesser degree, John Filippo. And it makes me wonder how Justin Fields, and I'm not talking about necessarily his game, but what kind of respect he might have lost for the coaching staff after that game and how that informed his thinking process for the rest of the year. He, he rebounded at you know against Detroit the following week, but we know that he was shaky a lot this year. I do wonder if if that game at Cleveland had a lot to do with a what was a shaky season like for the rest of the year and how much trust he had in his coaching staff and in his offensive line. Right. Uh, I want I want to get this in too. How many games did Justin Fields lose? In college, was it two? Yeah, something like that. I don't have any okay, problem. Okay, so but yeah, so now two games, right? And I then think that's right. Yeah. Okay, so he's he's been to Georgia and he played Ohio State. He's seen all this, but you know the one guy not worried about what everybody's being doubtful about, Justin Fields. He don't care about what people are saying about. Oh, can he do it? He know he can do it. If he sit around and worry about what the public saying, he'll be in trouble. He's going to show you on the field what he can do, and you've seen it. Oh, you've yeah. seen it on the field. No, he, he, the seems, pe- he, seems pretty, like, he seems like a, he's got the cool customer part down. He's a professional, all that kind of stuff. Like I don't think he allows much to get to him, but it, it's now it's time to prove it on the field. So he's got that. He's, he's a poised person in every way, shape, and form. Mature, intelligent, the whole package. Now 
Can you feel the pressure coming? Can you read a defense? Can you hit your tight ends in stride? Can you make the right decision in an RPO? Those are all yet to be determined for Justin Fields. Okay, well, let me just take it back on what you just said. You don't have to worry about the pressure coming from the backside because this guy going to roll them out. And guess what happens when he rolls out? Somebody going to be open? If not, he going to take it down the field for six. That's how that goes. Can't roll out every time, though. Can't roll out every time. And they want to at least give the appearance of him being a pocket quarterback. So you're not going to have that luxury every single time. you got to be able to feel that pressure at some point in time. Remember the Pittsburgh game? That fantastic run? Beautiful. Okay, Okay, because he rolled out. So when he rolled out, somebody's going to be in trouble because he's very excited. (laughs) And he's smart enough to do what he has to do. If he might roll out five times, he might take it to the house three or four times. That's what I'm saying. I let hope him so. do what he let him do what he does best. Now let's oh, let I me tell you another. Yep, now let ahead. me give you another one. Okay. I think he got one of the top six arms in the league, period. Accuracy and throwing the ball. I say the top six in the league. I don't care all this stuff about Josh Allen and all that. Josh Allen didn't go to the Super Bowl. Josh okay. Allen's pretty and, good, Bob. Uh, I mean, but Josh oh, Allen's oh. a little ahead of Justin Fields right now. Let's not get carried away. But he, guess what? He, he didn't come up in the big-time game. Oh, this crap about who won the flip, and I take that. Forget that. He played four quarters. Kansas City got the ball last. No, Josh Allen, you had the ball during the game. You didn't win it. And the year before that, he didn't win it. All this fluff about what he can do. Well, Justin He's pretty Fields damn good. He's pretty damn good, man. I mean, we haven't seen Justin Fields do anything. I'm, I'm, you're losing me a little bit now here, Bob, because I'm losing, you're talking I'm about you because You know why I'm losing you? Because right. Allen has all the parts around him, okay? He has all the parts. He has digs. He has all. He has everything he needs. He has the linemen. He has everything. Tight end. I, but he. I. Did, I. I, th- I don't disagree with you, but you can't say at this point that Justin Fields somehow is more valuable or has more potential than Josh Allen when we simply haven't seen it. And there can be a million reasons why, Bob, but we don't know. I mean, I, I, I think I, I love what you're saying. I really do. Okay. And I, 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 I think he's got the raw material. And if I had to press yes or no, is Justin Fields going to be good or bad, I would hit the yes button that, yes, he's going to be good. But, I mean, to just, like, say, oh, my God, like, better than Josh Allen and, be, you know, all, better okay. than all these guys, all right. I don't know. If you're crazy. Well, what, let, you know? let me let me give you one more, and I really don't care what the guys be saying when they get on after me. Okay. I know okay. exactly what I know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, what? Wait a minute, Marlene Hogan to give you crap? Is that what you're saying? A lot, a lot of people say, "Oh, I, I talked to Hoodie and all those guys and and Cap." Oh, they don't. I'm saying what I'm saying. I'm not going to change. Oh, he's a <laughs> Justin <laughs> Field defender. Right okay. I am a Justin Fields defender. That, that's okay. I just want it to be sound arguments. That's all. I love Justin now Fields. Let, now, let me hit you one where it's really going to hurt It'd be good. It'd be real good. Cutler took all the money he can get from Chicago and produced nothing. Zero. <laughs> he was a huge yeah, disappointment. Cutler. Hey, he, 12, he put up. No, 12. Uh, you're right. Hey, 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 he, he did, he, look, he, he, he did get the Bears to the NFC title game. He was a good quarterback, but wholly disappointing. And then he had that smirk on his face. He didn't care. And then they let him call into the station, and he says, Justin Fields needs to sit. Hey, Cutler, you should have sit five years ago. Come on, don't do that. Uh, asking asking Cutler, should Justin Fields be sitting or should he be playing? He's better than Cutler all day long. <laughs> 
<laughs> How dare color? Well, you need to sit and relax. Why you need to sit? What do you need to sit for? He can play. Now, again, he he was at Georgia, right? And then he uh-huh. came to Ohio State. You That's say he right. lost two games. He lost two games in in college of his career. Something like that. That's that's phenomenal. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, look, the win-loss record isn't everything for a quarterback. We know okay. that because, you know, Mitch Trubisky won games. So did the Jay Cutler. They have winning records. doesn't mean you're – so don't don't cling too tightly to that, Bob. Well, I'm on Justin Fields. The game he th- – in Pittsburgh, was that the game? They threw ah. the Mooney. He was out of bounds at the end of the yeah. game. Mooney yeah, he had the, the – what was temporarily a game-winning drive until Ben Roethlisberger took it the other way against the Bears' defense. And, and they hit him dirty on that game. The guy hit him dirty. They didn't, they didn't throw the guy at the game or whatever. He took all that. They hit him illegal. The referee let him get hit illegal. I said illegal. The referee standing right there. He got punished illegal. He didn't get the penalty. They just let him get hit. They, you know why they let him get hit? Because he wasn't Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. Yeah, this... he's just a rookie. He's a rookie. Right. Yeah, right. Okay. See now, now you're making sense. Like, I mean, that yeah. does make sense, right? You have to, everything is relative, and could Justin Fields be in that class? Yes, eventually. But right now, he's nowhere near those guys, and he's nowhere near Josh Allen, quite frankly. Yet. Uh, okay. Here, here's the deal. Josh Allen, how many Super Bowls? Josh Allen, just asking. How many years in the league? That's, I'm just asking the question. I'm not trying to be funny. How many years in the league has he played? Josh Allen, Buffalo, yeah. How many yeah, years? Yeah, how many yes, years? Sir. I think what this is this is gonna be his what fifth year, I think? Fourth year? Fifth, fourth or okay. fifth year? Okay. Right. Five. Okay. How many years feels? Is it just one? Uh-huh. I've okay, got that okay. in perspective. You don't have to okay. go through that exercise okay. with me. I have All complete right. perspective right, on okay. that. Yeah. So so Josh Allen had four more years than he, he being Fields, to produce. Well, yeah. uh, I didn't, well, right. I didn't get the coin flip. I didn't get the coin flip. Oh, Kansas City had the ball there. Stop. <laughs> my, my point is is that that it that even with that experience, you, you can't say that Justin Fields is like somehow got more potential than Josh Allen right this second. Who's the better runner, and who's the fastest? Well, they're both actually. Uh, Josh Allen has been an extremely okay. productive mobile quarterback, and we've seen some spectacular runs by Justin Fields, but quite frankly, he's been a little clunky at times, too, in some of his runs and some of his sliding decisions. Okay, but the question was, who's the better runner? I mean, what, what do you mean? How do you define that? What does that mean? Faster? Words, who's the if, faster if runner? Goes, well, no, no. I mean, who, if he gets on the edge, he can make something happen. And it might be to the house. But I think I Real think that quick. Justin Fields is faster if you're talking about getting to the edge, but actually like vision and running, escaping and eluding, Josh Allen's probably better right now than Justin Fields at that. So so, so I'm not trying. I'm, I'm not I know. trying to argue. Bob, it's but all good, buddy. Justin, We're yeah. He's saying Justin Fields is not elusive and vision. And no, he is. He, he's got that. You asked me who's a better runner right now, and I said Josh okay. Allen. Doesn't mean that doesn't mean right. that that Justin Fields is a poor runner. He has had some issues, though. I, I think that early in his career, in his first few games, there were times where he did not elude well, and that he didn't make the right decisions, and that he had awkward slides. I mean, you saw that, right, Bob? I mean, you saw that. Come on. Right, but they had no scheme. They had no block, no blocking, zero. They had no blocking, zero. He's yeah. just out hey, there playing sandlot. 
Hey, Bob, I don't want you to get cut off here because uh, uh, my producer is going to cut you off because we got to go to break. So I just wanted to say thank you for calling. I appreciate it, man, for- and I hope you call back thanks. soon, okay? Thanks for your courtesy. Yeah, absolutely. You got it, Bob. Bob and LaGrange, man. Love talking to him. Haven't heard from him in a while. So it was good to talk a little bears and bulls with him. Got a bunch of text messages coming in here. We'll, we're going to talk about the Cubs next. There's a good Cubs text message question that we're going to get into. The Bulls, if you haven't heard, will play the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of the playoffs. Best of seven starting on Sunday in Milwaukee, the Bulls are the sixth seed. The Bucks are the three seed. The Bulls did beat Minnesota in a meaningless game last night, 124 to 120, with Patrick Williams scoring a career high 35. Cubs and White Sox both win. The Blackhawks lost by two. Scotty Scheffler wins the Masters. Tiger Woods was plus 13. And we are taking a break, but we will be right back and take your calls at 312 644 6767. I'm Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. Three and one the count to Suzuki with men at first and second and two away here in the bottom of the first. The pitch. Swung on and hit in the air. Deep to left field. There it goes. Gone. Seiya Suzuki with his first major league home run. A three-run job into the left center field bleachers. And the Cubs strike first. A 3-0 lead over Milwaukee in the first. Welcome to the big leagues. That's a big league bomb is what that is. That was nice when that was loud. Uh, off the bat, no doubter. Uh, nice to get a uh, uh, dugout erupted. Nice to give us the lead. Uh, felt really good. That was a, that was a beautiful swing. Got, got some guys uh, on base, too. Three-run homer. Um, big, big, uh, big, big shot for us early on in the game. Yeah, over 400 feet. Seiya Suzuki, a three-run blast with two outs. In the first inning against Brandon Woodruff, that is quite a way to get your first big league home run. Cubs end up losing to the Brewers 5-4, to four, as you heard right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Zach Zabman and Ron Coomer on the call. Pat Hughes was cheating on those guys doing the game on television on Marquee Network. And you also heard the Cubs skipper, David Ross, right after that. So we welcome you back in to Score Overnight. I'm Mark Grody, 312-644-6767 is the number. The Bulls are playing the Bucks in the first round of the playoffs. Game one in Milwaukee on Sunday. Time to be determined. The White Sox also beat the Tigers 10-1. to And a texter from the 224 says, two Cubs have impressed me. Um, Justin Steele with a shutout performance and Nico Horner with a two-run homer in the series opener. Can you give us your thoughts on them? I, too, was pleasantly surprised with what Justin Steele did in the Cubs' second game they played this year. He was very good, and the pitching staff, on paper anyway, coming into this season, doesn't look better to me than what they had last year. But this is certainly a better start with Kyle Hendricks uh, winning on opening day. Then after the rainout day, Justin Steele looked very good. And Marcus Stroman looked very good yesterday. Five innings, allowed one run on two hits, struck out three, walked three, did give up the homer to Willie Adamas. 
Um, Jesse Chavez and Daniel Norris just were not good out of the bullpen today. Stroman did enough to win, and the offense kind of took a break after the the Suzuki three-run homer. They went a few innings without getting a hit in this game. They did strike out 13 times and ended up on the day with four hits. So this was kind of a, a letdown day for the bats and the bullpen. But on the overall with the, the the start that the Cubs have had against one of the best top halves of your rotation in baseball to win those games, to win the Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff games, I don't care how early it is. Win those games five, four, nine, nothing, that is that's gonna do you well. That really is. And the Cubs two and one off today, and then they play Cupcake Pittsburgh. They start a they get a mini series with them. Two game series and then on to Chris Bryant land in Colorado. So the the Cubs have with what they have done in this series, they've set themselves up, considering the schedule in the next five games, they've set themselves up for a a good start to the season. And I still don't think they're gonna contend for anything. But if there is any hope of it, a fast start is is 100% required. So it, it has been a good start for sure for the Cubs. Not going to get carried away with anything, but I've liked what I've seen out of, obviously, the starting pitchers. I loved what Dave Robertson has given you so far. He's been good as he ended up being the guy that got the save in the first game, the Nico Horner game. And um, I was texting with our producer, Sean Sears, that day because I actually um, predicted that something weird was going to happen. I predicted that Nick Madrigal was going to be the unexpected two-run homer in that game. Actually, I might have called it for a three-run homer. And and it ended up being – I mean, Nico Horner is at about – as far as home run prowess, he is about the same as Nick Madrigal. So it happened. I don't know if we'll see Horner hit another home run for another 50 games, but that was that was really good to see. So line drive hit to deep left field. Yelich looks up and this one sails into the bleachers for a two-run home run. Three to one Cubs here in the fifth inning. Horner with the first Cubs home run of the season. There it was. There it was. A terrific way to start the season for the Cubs and clutch in every single way. So I don't know what all of it means, but I do know that it's real when you beat this team and you beat the, the reigning Cy Young Award winner in Corbin Burns and you beat a, a guy on opening day. And, um, all right, well, Burns was the guy you beat, but you beat Brandon Woodruff. And this is a guy that's given you fits for the year. So it was extremely encouraging to see that. And the aggressiveness, yet patience, of Cubs hitters and waiting for their pitch. That is something that we have not seen a lot of in the last, say, two and a half years of Cubs baseball. Yeah. Where they were waiting for their pitch. It's a great point, Mark. I mean, they got all these guys up. I mean, even uh, Peralta today was at, I think, 67, nearly 70 pitches through two innings. Like, mm-hmm. whoa. Like, that's, yeah. that's something we didn't see from the Cubs since, like, 2015, 2016. Like, we'd seen them try to be patient, but, like, 
it felt like when they did try to adopt that like patient approach, they were staring at strikes or like get, yeah. trying to get the guy like Javi Baez to hit with patience is just like not like that's not <laughs> how this works. Like you can't let it, you can't tell him to not swing. That's not how it's, he's like a golden retriever, man. Um, but like he's gonna go do what he's gonna do. But now that you've got some guys like say Suzuki's a huge part, we've seen him take some really patient at bats. But even guys like Nick Madrigal, uh, Clint Frazier, um, you know, we're, we're seeing these guys see pitches and get this oh, count yeah. up, and and maybe they're not driving the ball that much but like hey these pitchers are leaving by the third or fourth inning and when you're already talking about them maybe going to the fifth like you know they ran into a team with a really good bullpen in the brewers but like oh, this yeah. is a formula yeah. to win games and it, it, it's crazy to think this team could actually win games but like this could work in baseball oh yeah no for sure i mean and these are legit wins when you beat the te- a team in your division the team is one of the best teams in your division and has th- three of the best pitchers in baseball so it is it is worthy of of some compliments considering what they did even though it's so early in the season uh seven seven three mark did you see the replay review at first base today it seemed like vr was safe which would have scored the tying run today yeah that was pretty intense, man. That was the Cubs' seventh inning. Um, Jonathan VR with just a little dribbler. It it scored. They, it was called out. It would, it would have scored a run to tie the game. I think it would have tied the game at that time. And yeah, let's you know what let's let's listen to this call. This is in the seventh inning. VR up in an intense situation. Here we go. The two two. VR hits one, a comebacker over the head of Boxberger. Adamas scooping, throwing, and he gets VR in time. Let's see if the Cubs elect to challenge the play. Now David Ross is holding up the hand, and they're going to take a look at this. And it's a very tough call for the first base umpire or any umpire when a guy's diving into the bag and diving through the bag. And now they're going to take a look. After review, the call stands. The runner is out. Chicago loses his challenge. Yeah, he ended up being out, and it, it like that was one of those where your eyes, if you watch the replays that we were able to see on television, and that's not all the same. Like we, they have more angles in New York than you know. You see replay review, and you see a thousand different angles that either Marquee or NBC Sports Chicago gives you. That ain't nothing compared to what they have in New York. So when you watched it today, yeah, you could have made your eyes see him be safe for sure. And you heard, obviously, the crowd was 100% on board with him, him having been safe. I will say this. I didn't hear, obviously, you know, Pat and Zach, you know, in that highlight that didn't, you know, have the entire time because we don't have, you know, it was a long replay. But at least on watching that on television, and Pat Hughes was doing the TV, Pat and Jim Deshays were pretty convinced that he was out. That not, not that it was obvious, but that there wasn't enough evidence to overturn it. That play stands as called. That and, and may, maybe maybe he was safe, but it was it was way too close to tell. But that would have definitely been a game change changing moment. How about, oh, my God, is it, how great does it sound to hear the umpires jumping on the PA system and actually explaining what the hell is going on? And just, just as simple as that. The play is under review, and tell us what happened. 
or explain to us what I mean that one was obvious it was a bang bang play at first base they are reviewing the play at first base but there are going to be convoluted replay moments that in the past nobody knew what the hell was going on and sometimes even the broadcasters who get the information faster than anybody because it's literally you know text to them or emailed to them and I know this from having been a part of that that even they would know for a couple of innings what the hell happened like everybody down it's like it was a super little secret that was going on with the the players and the umpires and the managers, and they'd all come out and have their huddles, and you're sitting there at home watching or listening on the score, and you have no damn idea what happened. It's so simple. Turn on the microphone, and they finally did it. Um, so that was – it was – God – it was so good to hear that. It was like, wow, it's so easy. Well, it's like, so think easy. About too, like when Wrigley didn't have like jumbotrons in the outfield. Oh my god! You were just like the umpires weren't saying anything. Like you're just guessing. Like you're literally just <laughs> yeah. guessing because no one's like coming over the PA to be like, hey, by the way, if this was an E nine or whatever. Yeah. Oh, unless unless you're in the stands and you're watching on one of the the fuzzy Zenith TVs yes. that have strewn throughout the Wrigley Field. Some you quality, know? yeah, some quality 1974 televisions there exactly which were always like either behind or flickering yeah and in most places that you sat you had no none of those little black and white bad televisions which i think they probably still have every i mean why not i mean you've got the jumbotron but you give yourself a little bit more individuality in terms completes of the aesthetic right exactly you got to keep some of the the uh non-functioning charm at wrigley field for sure but yeah that was i'm glad you asked about that texture that was really a a key part of the game and uh they took they did take their time man they did take their time and you know vr could have had a big moment there and who knows how that would have changed the trajectory of the game because the cubs were were desperate to elude getting into the back of the bullpen like you gotta you gotta have you cannot be behind against milwaukee even if it's one run late in game just because of josh damn hater who has had his way with the cubs plenty of times through the year so yeah 5-4 loss for the Cubs today but uh, many moments for sure including Seiya Suzuki on this here day so we shall see we get to see uh, Drew Smiley against uh, Jose Quintana coming up in the next game um, speaking of working counts the that's what Michael Kopech had done to him today for the White Sox there were a lot of deep counts for Kopech. And the the Sox won today. They dominated offensively today. Beat the Tigers 10-1. to Andrew Vaughn with a three-run jack. He had four RBIs on the day. And uh, shout-out, too, to, to uh, Joe McEwing, the third base coach for the White Sox. He had uh, scouted the outfield of the Tigers very well and realized that if the Sox hit a ball into the outfield and you have a man close to scoring position, you're going to send his ass. You're going to move him. In the third inning, Jose Abreu hits an RBI double, scored Luis Robert from first. Now, it should be it should be told that it, the ball got away from the catcher and 
if it hadn't, it looked like Luis Robert would have been a dead duck at first base. But I think that the thinking was there's not going to be a clean play, that there's just not – it's not going to happen, and they were right. And McEwing was waving it. Hey, it's getaway day, baby. It's Sunday. Everybody's coming home. And Eloy Jimenez had that little jam shot RBI at one point, and then finally the big bat of Andrew Vaughn cranks the three-run homer. It's 9-1, to one, then 10-1, to one, and that puppy was over. So the White Sox were aggressive today. Michael Kolpak was not dominant, but good enough, and he, he got the win. And that considering how high-maintenance Michael Kolpak is, that's an incredibly good thing to have seen Kolpak come out there and, damn, start a game. All right, when we return on Score Overnight... I want to take you back to the Bulls' bad loss against Charlotte and something that Billy Donovan said that drives me crazy when coaches say it. And Billy Donovan said it. We'll talk about it next on Score Overnight on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago's sports station. What's up? Good morning. Welcome back into Score Overnight. I'm Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The Score here with you until 5 a.m. when it's Mully and Hall from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. 312-644-6767 is the number. The Bulls won tonight, or last night, 124-120 to over Minnesota to finish the season at 46-36. and They will play the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of the playoffs with Game 1 Sunday in Milwaukee, but you know it has been a sloppy run to the finish line for the Chicago Bulls, and one of those games was the other night, a blowout at the hands of Charlotte. They handled the Bulls. It was a bad game, a bad look overall for the Bulls, and then you might think that what Billy Donovan said after the game was noble. I hated what Billy Donovan said after the game against Charlotte, and quite frankly, I can't stand it when any coaches do what Billy Donovan did. Take a listen to Billy. What happened tonight from your perspective? Um, well, they, they, they shot the ball exceptionally well, so give him credit there. Um, you know, I think um, some of the struggles that took place in the first quarter um, were things that we really tried to cover today at shoot-around, and to be quite honest with you, I didn't do a good enough job of, of creating maybe enough clarity for them on those situations. And I thought we had some blown coverages and um, we got hurt on some slip outs. Um, it was stuff that we knew that they were going to do. Uh, we kind of talked about it, worked on a little bit, but I obviously did not do a good enough job creating enough clarity there for them. So that's on me. Uh, I thought we got some of it corrected better in the second half I think it's things we're going to need going forward, and we got to be better at that. Um, but that was, I thought, some of the issues. Uh, the other issues where we turned the ball too much, they got way out in transition. You know, on us, I thought that really hurt us. Uh, I think the other part of it is, you know, we shot it fairly decent. I think we could have got a few more threes up. Uh, but I also felt like in the, um, 
you know, in, in different opportunities where I thought we did play pretty good defense, they, they really knocked down some shots. There was some and way too many that were wide open and there were some that were contested. I think when a team finds a rhythm like that, once some easy ones go in, a lot of times teams can, 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 can make hard ones. What specifically wasn't made clear in terms of the coverages and breakdowns? Well, I mean, what we were doing, I thought we did a better job in the second half, but there we were not executing it like we needed to execute it. And that's not on them. That's on me because I'm the one that's, you know, obviously covering that stuff and shoot arounds and doing that. So a lot of it was just a pick and roll situation, small on small. Some of the, the roles there, um, I think that our communication wasn't great. You know, we need to be better in the communication, but I think the technique and the way we went about doing it was 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 not was not good enough. And I don't blame them at all. I blame myself for not doing a good enough job, in my opinion, creating clarity because there was not clarity out there in terms of the communication part of what we were doing. And I think as the game went on, we got better at it. But I thought early it kind of got them into a rhythm, which allowed them They got a couple open ones, a couple, you know, things at the rim. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the other part of it was they then started making tough shots. Now, was the whole first half all that? No. But, you know, looking at the things that we tried to do in the game, you know, I've got to look at, you know, areas that I can do a better job helping him in those situations. And we have, you know, opportunities and shoot around to cover this stuff. It wasn't like we didn't cover it. We covered it, but I didn't do, in my opinion, do a good enough job covering it where there was enough clarity or detail for them. I thought I did, but I didn't, you know, and it was clear by watching the game. All right, Billy, that's enough. That is that is Bulls head coach Billy Donovan after the Charlotte game and pulling the old, I didn't do a good enough job, uh, areas that I can do better. Now, we heard this this nonsense from, from Matt Nagy a ton, and you hear it from other coaches as well, and it's just so disingenuous. And I know that like some people listening are going to be like, oh, he's protecting his players. That's a bunch of crap, man. Th- these are adults, and if, if you really – if it's really on you, then it's a problem. Then, then you are an ill-prepared head coach. And if just once a reporter would take a coach seriously when they say it's on me in the headline – the next day reads like coach drops the ball that coach would would probably throw the paper in the garbage and call the reporter and say come on man you know what i was trying to do no then don't put that out there these are adults man and and billy donovan saying i mean he's like contradicted himself within that saying that they're not executing the way that they should that's not on you billy that's not on you that's on your pl- – when you talk about execution, unless you're going to put the shorts and tank on and go out there and shoot the basketball, the, the by definition, execution is on the players. So I, I'm, I'm glad I got this opportunity to let a little steam off on this because I just I'm, – I'm tired of, of coaches coming out and saying it and – they know that we know it's disingenuous, so they're lucky we don't run with these and say, like, oh, my God, yeah, Billy Donovan's a really sucky coach, and he even admitted it. He said that they that he can do better, and I didn't do good enough, and they're not executing, and that's on me. So if Billy Donovan is being genuine in what he's saying, he's saying that he's a horrible practice coach and that he can't get his guys to execute and he didn't coach them, and so he shouldn't be coaching the Chicago Bulls. So, so it, just, it just drives me up the wall. It, it is just... Like, don't say that, and especially when the the problems that the Bulls have had have been so glaring 
and so obvious when when they haven't played well. Like basic rudimentary defensive things like communication and protecting your guys. And Billy Donovan, if, if he's not coaching those things, like communicating, if that's on him, then it's a it's a real issue for the Chicago Bulls. And the, again, these players, they're grown-ups. And you don't think that that Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, you don't think that those guys want the head coach to actually call out the guys and say, "Hey, here's what's wrong." That's what that's exactly what veterans want. They they want it to be they want to be coached and they want the young guys to be coached and they want everybody to be on the exact same page. So it's just it's just really it's a waste of time in a press conference when a head coach and in this case Billy Donovan goes on and on and on about, "Hey, blame me. It's on me. It's all of us." It no. Tell us about your professional sports team. Multimillionaires. Tell us what's happened. Don't tell us it's on you. Or I'm going to have to agree with the textures that say that you're a bad coach because there's a lot of them that have put Billy Donovan into the the spin cycle of being a bad coach because of how bad the Bulls have been since the All-Star break. Um, so, and, you know, I'm not saying that Billy Donovan is immune to criticism. He has, you know, he has made errors. He is imperfect, and he is not an elite head coach. But when you when you come out here and you're disingenuous about what's going on and you're protecting your players, it just it drives me crazy and it doesn't make a lot of sense. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is the number. I'm Mark Grody. It is Score Overnight on Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.